Brummett here with Allie Alvarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Allie, good to be with you again this week, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very cool. It's Monday morning. I'm I'm excited to be up and out. I'm, I, I should be much more tired than I am. I don't know why I'm not. I had a tournament this weekend, and we had over 250 competitors at the tournament, which is one of our smaller venues. It's our tournament we call the Nationals for the New York Tournaments uh, uh, circuit that we developed, and uh, just a great event, unbelievable competition, happy people, it ran so smooth. We were in and out, and I know this sounds like a long time to some, but uh, we were in and out. We started at 8.30, we're done by uh, 5.30. However, we do everything by the times, as you know. I gave you my system when you ran a tournament. You know, uh, 10 o'clock is, is this division, you know, 12 o'clock is that division. So at 3.30, we had black belt youth. They weren't showing up until like 3 o'clock. They could come and just show up, compete, have some fun, win trophies and medals and some prizes, and um, and go home. It wasn't like an all-day sitting there being tortured while waiting. Kind of. <laughs> it was a well, really I had good so many compliments. I had so many compliments when I ran the tournament the way that uh, you run yours. Um, yeah. I, just, I, it's, it's, it's funny how we expect – you know, and I know this is not what we're talking today about, but you know that we expect uh, certain things to run a certain way, and then when we're introduced to something new that actually is a lot more functional, um, right. just how much more there, uh, more appreciation there is for it. And in fact, yeah. you know, I had I had a lot of them showing up at the very very beginning, even though I, you know, the information said your your event doesn't start till this time, they right. still didn't understand that concept, which was kind of funny. Yeah, and I had I had one year, and this is a long time ago. In fact, now he's a huge fan of our tournament circuit, and he was there yesterday with 25 competitors. Um, I remember two or three years ago, uh, his events, his schools they were all in the same ranking, and they were going to start. Uh, their events started at like 9.30. He shows up. Well, actually, students show up at like 9.45, and they're all mad at us. And I'm like, your event is running already. You're done. You're pretty much almost through. By the time you get dressed and get registered – your event's over. They're like, yeah, but my instructor said to show up around 10, 10.30. I said, but it shows you right here, 9.30 is the start time. They're like, yeah, but no tournament ever runs on time. I go, but we do. And they were angry, and I kept saying, I know you're mad at me, but you're mad at me. Can you at least admit you're mad at me for doing the right thing? Like, would you be mad at the movie theater for running the movie at the time they said they would? Like, no, but that's not how it's done in the tournaments. I go, well, there's a new age. It's a new era. We run everything professionally. And uh, our venue is just super amazing. And anyway, it, it comes from my whole desire, tournaments, school, whatever, is to have an unbelievable customer service experience. Because I remember those times where I'd go home from going to a tournament with my school and have to talk people off the roof, so to speak. They wanted to quit. They were mad at me. I, how dare I bring them to this nightmare of, a, of an event? And, you know, they sat around all day, and then their kid went and lost, and the judging stunk, and... It was just a horror show. So we want all our students and all our parents and all the competitors to go home happy so that the school owners are inflated by it rather than, you know, discouraged. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh, kind of shift gears. We'll get into our – and maybe we should talk a little bit more about uh, tournaments um, and how they, they can <clears throat> help and also hinder our schools uh, yeah. if, if done right and, and what have you. But – uh, I know today we're going to talk about a topic, and I'd like you kind of to, if you would define the topic a little bit before we actually get into specifics. But we all have heard the phrase when the student is ready that the teacher will appear, or when the master, you know, when the student is ready, the master will appear. And right. what? Let's break that down first before we actually get into um, the nuts and bolts of it. What does that? What does that mean? Because I know. When I was, you know, younger, I didn't understand that. And I, when I say younger, I mean even younger in my uh, entrepreneurial years. I really didn't under, didn't understand that when the student is ready, that the the, uh, the 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 teacher will appear. So let's talk what that really means first before we get into the conversation. Yeah, and um, well, of, of course, I, you know, I'm I'm a very classical martial art teacher. I I still feel, and it was great yesterday at my tournament too to talk to these old timers. Where right? I say guys that have been around as long as I have. I mean, my school's been open for 25 years this year. I've been doing martial arts for 47 years. So I know some of these guys that we competed against each other 30 years ago. You know, that's a long time. And, um, you know, I, of course, I'm age, dating myself and aging myself. But 
you know, it, it's something where I, you know, I look at the values of martial arts, and I've had these conversations. It brings me back to last Saturday, the Saturday that just passed. A mom who I'm kind of friendly with and the dad called me up and chewed my ear off for like an hour on why their son didn't get his blue stripe yet on his belt or his, uh, his purple stripe on his blue belt. I understand, you know, it takes time. I understand he's got to work hard. But, you know, he's getting demotivated. So what do we need to do to get him to get his stripe? And I'm like, Mrs. So-and-so, um, you may be a little confused about what we have as a school, the desire. And she's like, well, what do you mean? And I can tell she's kind of prepping for def defensive action. And I said, we as a school, and 90% of the schools out there, want our students to be amazing. Our goal is for them to be able to perform in the martial arts and do well. I said, I'm going to equate it just like driving a car. We don't want to teach the kid for like an hour in a parking lot and then hand them the keys and say, go out and practice. Because it could be life-threatening. They could make one mistake on a highway, get run over, or get killed. And that's quickly, boom. So how different is that from self-defense? How different is that? from learning how to do martial arts, I asked the parent. And they're like, you know, I said, is it just a reward to keep them motivated or do you want them to be great? And they thought about that, and it's a really great analogy for all school owners to use out there. I also say, would you get on an airplane, a commercial flight, to Hawaii with a pilot who's never done it before, and he doesn't have another pilot to help him, and he's saying, I, I think I could do this. I did it on a flight simulator, and I, I scored really high. I, I believe I could do it. Or do you want someone who knows what they're doing? Self-defense, if you have a false sense of self-defense, you're going to end up getting killed in a fight or hurt really badly. Um, so I said, our goal is for them to be amazing. We want them to know their material in and out. Anyway, it was like an hour I'll never get back in my life because I'm sure as I was talking, they were hearing the Charlie Brown parents saying, wah, 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 you know. And um, it was just something where I feel like, you know, maybe people don't know what we really do. So the old thing, when the student's ready – when the parent's ready, when the client is ready, there's going to be an epiphany. It's like that bright light, that aha moment that you use, Dwayne, a lot, where we're saying, like, wow, at that moment in time, it just clicked. I mean, you used to do coaching with a, a bunch of different really high-quality level, high-level coaches, right? And, and you were saying something similar happened to you. Well, yeah, there's – yeah, in fact, there was two uh, inside the industry that I've coached with before, and – it, I mean, I was paying one of them uh, for a good nine months before I actually acted on any of the information, and it was like that, where it was a, <clears throat> it was an aha moment where I was like, oh my gosh, um, <laughs> I can't believe that uh, I've waited this long, or I can't believe that this is actually going to work, and and so, I mean, and and the the very first month that I did it <clears throat> was the very first month that I hit forty six thousand uh, in a month, and right. you know, it was a compilation of it was, the thing is that I had to um, for me I, I had to learn that I needed to pull the trigger and believe in the success of other individuals that have come before me um, so it took me basically nine months to interview the guy <laughs> before I, before I would act upon the information if that makes sense and and uh, I've, I've done that with a couple of people I said it does make sense sorry about that You there, Dwayne? Oh, you got cut off. Okay, well, we'll keep going because uh, I'll talk until maybe he reconnects on the phone. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of like just winging it. But anyway, so Dwayne and I had chatted about this uh, situation, you know, where school owners or business owners, you know, they are – know-it-alls in their own right, meaning that we know our industry. We know we, you know, I've had, I had a friend that read uh, in magazines that, you know, uh, you know, all the different things that you could do, and he, and he read about it, and he even went to some of the seminars, and he knew he could literally be a coach and tell you what to do um, and, uh, you know, be able to say, hey, this is what you need to do to make money, and this is what you need to do to have the school, and this is what you need for retention, and blah, blah, blah. However, um, I... Uh, yeah, I, they, you know, basically he could regurgitate the, the message and um, not be able to uh, actually do it for real. So, um, you know, that's the biggest problem. So I don't know, Dwayne, did you get back on yet? Yeah, I'm on. I apologize. I don't know how I got kicked off the call. So hey. I, and I don't even know. 
I mean, I know I that segued I, in, I started rambling on a little bit um, about, you know, um, about people who are, you know, in the, you know, they, they understand everything about the business. Technically, they read the articles, they've been to the seminars, and they could actually even teach it on the phone or in, you know, in a seminar. However, they don't really do it. But, uh, you know, and they, they don't really live what they do. So back to you. I mean, you were saying that when you got cut off, you are saying that, you know, you work with a lot of these prominent coaches, and it was like a nine-month interview, which, by the way, you probably paid a lot of money. So it cost you nine, ten grand maybe to, to resist a coach. And as a coach now, you and I both know, we get people on the phone, they go, hey, I want to learn how to do blah, blah, blah. And I'll tell them, and then they'll fight me on it. I, I, I sit there scratching my head going, why are you paying me? Like, why do you pay me to tell you what to do and then don't do it? I don't understand. And I think it's like almost like a little bit of, uh, you know, having you know, the, the father figure or the mentor figure there so that in case they needed someone to talk to, they can. So tell me a little bit more about your experience. You know, when, when, was, the, when was the epiphany? Like, what happened? Well, I, I can't say that there was one or two things that would happen, although, um, you know, this particular coach did kind of, say, you know, when are you going to, you know, take action? And um, it, it was at that time that I decided, you know, to really kind of come up with that answer and, and go, well, I, I, I've been paying this person for nine months now. And, yeah, it was close to, you know, 10 grand easily. Um, and what am I waiting for? I mean, either I'm going to do it and it fails and then I leave that person or I'm going to do it and it, and it, and there's success. And, um, you know, part of it was implementing some of the strategies. The other part was, you know, the whole, the old, uh, paid in full type thing. Um, I mean, that's obviously what helped, you know, get me up to $46,000 and, and, um, you know, in that, in that one month. And so doing my first, uh, well, not my first, but doing a paid in full that I got someone to do $13,000 all the way up to first degree for their two kids um, was amazing. Like, that was life-changing to me um, just to have the guts to do that. And then, of course, there's other systems that are involved with that. Um, was It was just phenomenal. But, you know, just knowing how to do a paid in full and getting it getting it going and those type of things – um, is good, but I, I love what I learned from you with re, with regards to the percentage of paid infulls that are necessary to stay under so that you don't cash out your business. And I knew I never wanted to cash it out anyways, but it was, I never, that was, you know, and I'm not saying that I wouldn't have learned it had I stayed with that person longer. Um, I don't know that that's the case because it was never introduced either way. It was just, you know, it's what you need to do. Um right. But so that was another epiphany for me when, you know, you introduced that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, I know that makes sense. But actually knowing that there's percentages that you don't want to go over uh, with regards to paid in fulls was, was very important. So um, why it took me nine months to, you know, actually pull the trigger, part of it is because I'm, I'm the type of person that I, you know, um, I did the, the disc test once. Right. Uh, and, 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 and go ahead. I had that done myself, actually, and I actually have it printed out, and I give it the personality profile section of it to my my employees when they first come on board. It literally warns them ahead of who I am and how I work, et cetera, et cetera. So go ahead. Yeah, so, so you, I, well, I found out that I was a really, really high C, and the high C uh, type of person is more of uh, I need all of the um, – I need all the facts. I need all of the stats. I need everything before I would ever, you know, uh, make a decision. It, it, it's kind of like a, a quick representation of what a D um, and an I and an S and a C are is, is kind of wrapped up in this story. So uh, the D, the I, the S, and the C, they all go to the, you know, firing range together. And, you know, as they're walking out to the firing range, the, the I is – you know, saying, hey, how do you like my new uh, jumpsuit? And, and uh, doesn't my new suit, my, uh, you know, sweatpants and shirt, I mean, it matches. And, and it, look, it even matches my gun. And, and the eye is somebody that is very social. They're very stylish. They're very into, um, not necessarily, I don't mean into themselves, but uh, they're very talkative. And uh, uh, they, 
probably they love the relationships so much that, you know, the I never fired the gun, but they were happy to be there. Um, the S is asking everybody, hey, you know, guys, I, 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 bought, I brought uh, some snacks. If you guys are hungry, you know, we can have a snack while we're, uh, you know, in between rounds and those type of things. They're, they're more of a motherly, take care of everybody type person. Well, the C, C pulls out their gun and they're getting ready to shoot, but and then they're going ready, aim, 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 right. aim, and I could keep on going, right? And sometimes they pull the trigger, sometimes they – but usually they don't because they don't feel like they got enough information. D is right. ready, fire, aim, ready, fire, aim, ready, fire, aim. So, you know, D doesn't care. He's just going to shoot it, and if he hits something, great. Um, <laughs> and so I have, like, personally, I've transformed. I'm not as uh, high of a C as I used to be. I'm, I am a higher D because I take a lot more action now than I ever did before. Yeah. But that was what was holding me back. Was, and I already knew that, by the way, because I had gone to multiple Zig Ziglar conferences and done the disc test with him. You know, I've gone to his Born to Win conference probably three or four times. Um, but, you know, not understanding that that was the reason why I, you know, I wasn't pulling the trigger. So when I actually decided to pull the trigger, magical things happened with regards to um, some of the systems that I had put in place. Now, that's not to say that I was totally stagnant because I did implement a, um, an upgrade system. I, I mean, I had, I had a black belt club, but then I transformed it, transformed it into leadership, and I, I didn't have a price bump. I was just like put everybody in there and, um, you know, that type of thing. So there, were some, there was some groundwork prior to actually that ninth month or actually moving into the tenth month, right, or something like that, where I pulled the trigger did some of the paid in fulls, did the upgrades correctly where I was charging more. Um, but it just, it's, it's interesting how long it actually took me to trust in it and really believe that it was going to work. And, and I wish I could say, I, I, I know exactly why um, I was able to pull the trigger by the ninth month um, as opposed to the, the, the first month. But I think it was just me. I personally wasn't ready. And that's where we go back to the statement that, when the student is ready, then the teacher will appear. And of course the teacher was already there giving me information, but I, I just wasn't ready to uh, fire on it. And that's where I think a lot, sometimes a lot of school owners are at. Um, where well, can, I, can I give you a ahead. little addition on this? It's interesting. Are, are, do you shoot guns? Yeah. You do. So I'm a big shooter as well. And I've been to like, you know, front sight and I've trained with Navy SEALs and air marshals and Marines. And my good buddy is a uh, trainer for contractors going back into private military and stuff like that. Anyway, the reason why I bring up the gun analogy is because I love what you were saying about, you know, people who are not, you know, and it's a perfect example because when I coach a lot of times and they, they don't, people don't pull the trigger and, um, and they, love to, school owners especially, because it's, it's it's a, and I hate to say it this way, but we all know it's true, it's a very egotistical environment. So everyone wants to put their stamp on things. Like I build websites for people all the time, and uh, everyone's got to, you know, and people will say things that are so outlandish. Well, I think it should be a little lighter, the site, because, you know, it, you know if it's this dark, it's not going to bring in kids. Things that they know nothing about, um, they often say, just because they want to have their input. And I don't, I don't blame them for wanting to do that, but I would go with the experts who know what they're doing, you know, and I, it took me a while to do that, to be able to just bow down and say, hey, you're the expert, teach me, because when you get to a certain point and you own your own business or your own, your own you know, you're, you're the boss or you're a high-level black belt, you start thinking that you're the only one because you're good at what you do, and that's okay, but to a certain extent, there's always going to be people out there that are much better than you. So going back to the shooting analogy, you know, um, Tony Robbins found, too, that there, there are people that just love to pull the trigger right away. And those are the dangerous people. They go out of business real quick. And then the other people go out of business real over a long period of time but make no money and end up losing money every single week. But investing and paying for their company to stay open are the ones that never pull the trigger. The ones in between, the ones who listen, process, we call it the OODA loop in shooting, OODA loop, O-O-D-A, observe, orientate, decide, and act. Many people are frozen in what we call analysis paralysis or frozen in indecision. So I coach people, and I'm going to have one guy come on the phone call with us hopefully next week and do an interview that I, I literally had him resist me for like a year. 
he would take little pieces of what I had to say and test market it to see if it would work because it was extremely different than what he was used to doing. And then finally at some point he said, you know what, I'm going to just resolve to be able to listen to you. And once he did, the school started to really take off. And it was those little tiny hang-ups that he had that he was holding back on. You know, I'd tell him to do X, Y, and Z, and he'd do X and Y. But Z was the main component, so he was missing that, so it never really worked. And then he'd verify, yeah, you see, it doesn't really work. You know, people do that all the time, right, Dwayne, with you. Like, you know, they won't do everything you say, but then they'll say what you told them is wrong, but we're saying all they have to do is what we ask. Right. right? You know, so, so what do you think? Well, it's uh, and it's not just in our industry. Like I told you before, I don't know if I've uh, said this on any of our uh, school owner calls, but um, uh, every Friday, uh, and this probably started like six weeks ago or whatever, but from six weeks ago all the way to the end of the year, uh, I'm I'm a consultant for an insurance agency that's here in town, and my job is to be a part of their meetings where they're doing what's called 25 for 25, and and basically, they are trying to get 25 talk tos per day uh, on their um, on the phone or in face. And so, you know, every single day they have 25. Well, nobody's hit the 25 yet, but we have seen since we put goals in place that their numbers are uh, their talk to numbers are increasing. Obviously, by default, the bottom line will increase over time, anyways, um, because they're actually getting in front of more people to talk to them about the. Uh, you know, property and casualty or just uh, life insurance or what have you. But uh, I've been talking about the fact that, um, you know, there, there, and you know, there's another call that we've done before about time management versus action management. And I introduced to them the, and this was probably on the second week, I introduced this to them about the fact that they are not, because they have to write down their hours, like how many hours they work per week but they're not using their hours productively enough. Like one of the girls had said, well, I keep getting getting interrupted because she's in charge of uh, a team of maybe two or three individuals. And she's like, well, you know, I'm doing my work, but then they'll come with me with this problem. And I'm like, hey, look, this is what you need to do. You need to set parameters and tell them that uh, unless these problems or these questions meet these sets of qualifications, you're not to talk to me until this time of day about right. anything. Yeah. Um, you know, if the building's burning down, come tell me. But other than that, and so the first week she didn't really listen to me. And then she right. came back with the problem again. And I'm like, hey, look, <laughs> you're the owner here is paying me to tell you what to do and you need to do it. And the owner's there in the meeting. Right. He's like, yeah, I'm paying Dwayne to do this. So yeah. she did it. And, and, and it was amazingly freeing for her that I don't remember what time of day they come to her at one o'clock or something. I don't know. Um, but it's, it was a total transformation with regard. I said, now you're in charge of your time. Right. So last week, last week, guess what I gave them? I gave everybody there, um, the, you know, the, uh, the, the homework assignment to do for the next week on our Friday meeting, cause we do it every Friday is to, I want them to track their time. Because they're telling me that they're working, you know, 45, 40 hours a week, 45 hours a week, whatever, but they're only getting X number of talk tos. I said, I want to see and I want you to see where your time is actually being spent. And so we're going to go through your time log, your time diary, um, and then next week we're going to highlight the productive times and the other times that aren't so productive, and we're going to categorize them. And then we're going to grade them and give them numbers. And and it's just uh, now we'll see. We'll see whether they do it. Now, if there's only one of them that does it, then it's still going to be great for that one person. But it's amazing how many times you have to try to pull the tooth uh, <laughs> that, you know, needs to be removed, but they just won't let you remove it. Right, right. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting because, uh, as you know, um, you know, this type of thing that goes on is not really evident or, or you know, a, the people are not aware of what actually is is happening. So I do that same exact drill with my clients called journaling. I just assigned it to two of my clients uh, last week where I said, write down every single thing you do, every single thing that you do, and then let me know at the end of the day, you know, from the morning 
to the night, from the minute you wake up and your eyes open to the minute your head hits the pillow to go to sleep. Even let me know when you, I don't want to know the gory details, but when you went to the bathroom, well, you know, how long it took you to you know, get ready, how long it took you to drive to the school. When you got there, what did you do? As detailed as I put the key in and turned it to the left and, and you know, I set, shut off the alarm and turned on the lights and checked the air conditioning. Like I want to know habits that uh, people are, you know, doing and creating so that we could, you know, make sure that we're, we're doing things the right way and not wasting time on things that are unnecessary. And we're creating a journal, a manual, in essence, of what we do in our personal life for time and task management and in our business life for what goes on so that we can literally highlight all the um, – administrative stuff in blue and slide it across the board and give it to your program manager. All the teaching stuff that you did in green and slide it across to your instructor uh, who teaches for you. So it really all depends on uh, you know what you're using this journaling for. But I uncover so many holes within um, within a, uh, a daily task, a daily, a day of what people are losing their time on. But see, that's – and that's where um... – like I would not have done that, you know, again, coaching that many years ago. And, you know, if I was told to do that, I would have been like, I already know what I'm doing. Why do I have to write it down? Um, and, and until you actually like do it, you don't understand. Um, and you think, you know, but you don't understand how we end up lying to ourselves or, believing something that is isn't there that is there or, or vice versa and it's it's a it's a scary thing to do but it's very very freeing and i think that it goes back down to you know what we're talking about is that when the student is ready you know the teacher or master will appear and you know when somebody does that exercise or any other things that we tell our clients to do um it, it's funny where they go oh my gosh i can't believe how much uh, easier this is because of what you told me to do or how much results I got because of what you told me to do. Um, right. it, it's it, it's life-changing for the individual, and then that's when um, they believe in you even more when they were paying you in the first place. They should have just believed you from the get-go, and I know that because I didn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, and, and I totally get it. And, and, you know, that's the interesting thing about the dynamics of coaching it's just like the dynamics of teaching, and it's just like what I talked about with that parent that I tried to talk to, right, about the, you know, why little Johnny didn't get their blue belt. And, you know, the analogy of, um, you know, us wanting them to be amazing. Well, you know, some people are under the impression that we coach to make money. Um, and that's the bottom line. They pay us. We, we regurgitate material and push it across the table, and then we get paid. In fact, I don't do that when I coach. I literally will go into a company as if I was a partner, and I'm doing an analysis. Almost, almost like um, I used to use the, uh, the TV show House. Remember that show with the doctor, you, Laurie? And, um, you know, it, it would be the funniest thing because his team would have a whiteboard, and they'd have to figure out why this guy is dying of a disease that they can't pinpoint. And it, it ended up, you know, one was a funny episode where it ended up being like a, uh, a thorn. They went on a trip and they got a thorn underneath their fingernail. And that finger, that thorn had some sort of toxin on it. And it was poisoning the body. But, you know, it took them like, you know, a, a few days of nonstop work to figure out what the root cause. And then they pulled the thorn and the guy gets comes out of a coma and he's back, you know, he leaves that day with his family. You know, of course, it's a little exaggerated, but we, we have to uncover what we're making mistakes on. So, so many times, you know, I look at people and I say, well, what are you actually doing? Tell me what you're spending your time on. Tell me what you're working on. Tell me what the issue is, you know, and tell me where you're failing. And then I have to do an analysis. I have to kind of come up with the, the problem and then, and then correct the behavior, correct the habit, so to speak. Well, and there's so many um... – there's so many constraints that are inside of a business that we as school owners don't see and that somebody else that's already been through it, an outside individual, asking the right questions, like what you're talking about, asking the right questions can actually see uh, the constraints that are holding that individual back. And some of those constraints, I would say a lot of them in the beginning especially, are constraints within the entrepreneur, the martial arts school owner themselves, not knowing that they have these uh, sets of habits that are creating these constraints in their business. And, and it's 
so um, it's scary as a entrepreneur and even then even making it worse, you know, since we are kind of egotistical with regards to being a, a martial artist um, to let somebody, you know, actually say and point out that we have these, and I'm holding up my quote fingers, like you say, uh, these weaknesses in ourselves. And that's what's, you know, creating these constraints in our businesses. And, and so not all the time is that true, but a lot of times it is that your business will only grow um, as far as you as the owner grows. And so where you are today is a direct result, you know, where you are in your business today is a direct result as, as, as you are, you know, how far you are as an individual. And so until you grow more as an individual, um, you know, there's so many aspects with inside of that, your business will, will only match that and it'll always stay there. Um, you know, it's kind of like the getting over the 50 person hump and then getting over the 100 person hump and the 150 until you are a 150 person school owner, you're not going to have 150 students. Now, that's not to say that you can't do some marketing um, tactic that's new or fresh or actually works, um, you know, in your business and have a flood of students come in. But until you and that's true. You might bump up to you might go from 100 to 155 uh, in in a matter of a couple of months. I mean, think about like we talked about this earlier. Where at the beginning of the year, what did I have? I had like 74, I think, um, karate for Christmases. That and then we signed up 47 of them, right? Yeah. Until like myself, if I'm not at that level where I can sign up that many and then I'm, you know, on top of, you know, being a, a 322 or 350 person studio, um, I'm going to lose those people. I'm not going to keep them. Uh, and then the latter end is worse than the first, meaning that now I have these people that had a bad experience. They didn't stay. Uh, they're out. And you, you know, as well as I do that they're out talking about how yeah. poor it was and, 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 and sharing all that with other individuals. So the, the idea that, you know, it'd be great to have 150 students, that's great, and the income might be great as well, but if you yourself as an individual aren't ready and your establishment isn't ready, then it's not going to, um, you know, it's not going to happen. So, again, and then, and then, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, again, there's, there's plateaus that you're going to hit. And that's where, you know, I personally think that you, you know, you need someone else to be able to point those things out that have already been to those plateaus and have uh, excelled past those so that you can understand. And it's not necessarily, I mean, you could have 150 students and right. still be doing amazing with regards to gross and net profit. So I'm not saying that you have to have a 500 uh, student base in order to, you know, make your ends meet or to, you know, do the financial goals and meet the financial goals that you have for, you know, your establishment. But it's understanding all of that and then having somebody that can point out, well, this is where your constraint is, you know, because this is bottlenecked here. And so then when you open this bottleneck up and you correct this now, uh, and, and what I found is when I found holes in my system or broken windows in my in my, my studio, once I fix them, I actually find more, um, which I would have never found before had I not fixed them, the original one. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You know, I don't, don't be sorry at all. There's like so much stuff that, you know, and I try to, like a politician on a debate stage, I learned a little of the write down as the thoughts are coming to my mind or else you're going to forget them. And I, I had a great saying um, that I wanted to add, which is similar to the students ready, but I forgot it. <laughs> so now I can't. I had to write it down, and then it, came, it went out of my mind. But it was more along the lines, I don't have the exact saying, but it's an interesting dynamic. Like when we are, as martial art teachers, it's all about trust um, for the parent to trust the teacher. Now, um, that's a tough thing to do in this world because when we give full 100% trust, sometimes we could get in trouble. That's how children or people get abused because they it's like a cult-like mentality. So there is always a, a portion of um, lack of trust, a certain percentage out of 100%, maybe 10%, you should question motives and question what the person is telling you. But you have to find someone who has an 
and align yourself with the same mindset, value system, ideals, so that you can trust them. Because, again, it goes back to if a parent is questioning me why their kid didn't get their blue belt, when my goal is for their kid to be amazing, yet they're fighting me because they feel, hey, if Johnny gets his stripe, He's going to be motivated again. Meanwhile, that's a short-lived concept. They're motivated for two weeks. They're back to the same old crud. So I always try to tell the parents, it's not about that. Let's get them to succeed and be awesome, and that's what's going to motivate them. Do you not understand? It's not about that stupid stripe. If he can perform those techniques, he won't care how many stripes he has on his belt because he's going to be proud of his own ability. Let's teach him how to understand how to be a, a great student. Let's just flip that word and let's teach people how to be great entrepreneurs. I, I look at Donald Trump, who's now running for president, um, and people look at him as this confident, cocky kind of you know person. I, I've met him before on two different occasions, and he is a very powerful personality. In fact, when I first met him, I was with Steven Seagal at a Steven Seagal roast. They were roasting him for the Friars Club, and I walked up to Trump, Trump and I shook his hand, and I said, I hope some of the wealth will rub off. And he says, yeah, don't we all? And he walked away from me on that first meeting. And I was like, wow, that was kind of a, you know an attitude-ish kind of thing. This is way before The Celebrity Apprentice, way before any of his Hollywood fame. Um, he was just a wealthy business owner. Anyway, long story short, if, if you're going to ask a question on real estate and he would be able to offer you answers, you would get answers from a totally different realm of knowledge than you would if you asked me or asked you. His muscles, his brain muscles, are used to thinking at an entirely different level. So, for example, when someone coaches me and they say, oh, well, and I, I sometimes I'm shocked by my, my clients and I'll say, you know, why aren't you doing X, Y, and Z? You know that you want more students. Okay, go out and promote. No, not one hour a week, not two hours a week. Like, I have seen people where they've ordered 10,000 flyers six months ago, and I would have reordered four times already, and I say, how are you doing? They say, oh, not bad. I have about 9,800 flyers left. I'm like, really? hundred? <laughs> and they're like, well, yeah, I don't want to leave too many. Like, really? Isn't that what it's for? You know, I used to have a guy that I trained in Costa Rica, my student in my dojo. He ran it. We, I'd teach him marketing, and I'd go out, and I'd walk into businesses, and in Spanish, he would talk to them because I don't speak Spanish, and, and um, we'd leave a stack of flyers. And then I'd walk out, he'd follow behind me and grab three quarters, not half, but three quarters of the amount of flyers that he left on the table. And I watch him do this like once, twice, three times. And I said, what are you doing? He says, we don't want to leave too many. I said, I left that stack for a reason. He says, yeah, but we don't want people to take them. I said, please explain that to me. Well, a lot of people will just throw them in the garbage. I said, well, what about that one doctor that doesn't or the one mom of five that doesn't? His mindset was from, a, from an area of you know, scarcity and fear rather than investment into your company. Yeah, some of them are going to get thrown away. That's what happens in marketing. Some of them are going to read it and come in and not join. But do we not do it? So, again, it, it's where the school owner gives trust to a specific person. The problem is, though, that they're listening. These school owners are listening to 30 different experts, and they're doing what these experts, all of them say, and there's a lot of mixed messages in our industry, as you know, right, Dwayne? I mean, a lot of people could do things and succeed, but you can't blend them all together in a blender and think that when they're blended together, they're going to work. It's This guy is good at what he does, so either follow his system 100% or not. Right? right. Don't you? I totally agree. Absolutely. And, you know, it's not to say that, I mean, I, I've had two industry inside of martial arts industry coaches, um, you know, and, and I, I, I went, the reason I went to the second one, because the second one, their values and um, their ideas were more in line with, with, with me. It's not that the first one wasn't honest because the first one was honest, but just how he was running things and how this other one was running things just, it didn't jive with me. And I really, really loved the, the second one. So I, had moved to the second one. But when I wanted to learn some things that I didn't feel that any of the industry coaches had, um, when I wanted to learn how to do more internet marketing and um, copywriting and those types. So I, I got different coaches for those things, right. um, which you kind of have. Yeah. Oh, I think Dwayne got cut off again. Man, it's killing me. So, uh, you know, I'm going to just kind of like wrap this up a little too because we've been on for quite some time. But, um, you know, 
I believe that, you know, in our industry, and again, I know exactly what Drain was going to say, is that you, you have to align yourself, and this is what I was saying too, and have that trust with a coach that you could say, you know what, I believe in what he's saying because he runs a school that I, like I want to run. So, for example, if you're, if you're a very traditional school owner and you have values and, and they're deep-seated in tradition, you may not, you know, rip down the wood walls and, and cedar planking on the walls and put up red, white, and blue stripes and modernize your school because that's not your brand, man. So understand that. You have to figure out who you are and, you know, what you do and, uh, and make sure um, that you're not losing your essence. You know, and that's important. So a lot of times they're selling out. I see what happened with, you know, a lot of the things that went on with the, the change to the kickboxing industry. And I've seen so many classical, amazing martial arts school owners close their schools down, chasing after the dollar, hoping that they're going to do it in this new realm. Or they add on a new program like MMA, and then they're not an MMA school. So they end up losing out. Um, and their schools eventually fizzle out and go away. I'm much in, more into brand. I just had this conversation with one of my, my students. He loves MMA, he loves BJJ, he loves Muay Thai, and he trains on his own on these different programs, and he loves fighting. I've trained him to kickbox in the ring, but he just loves this other competitive arena. But I told him it's very important that you don't learn that stuff and bring it back to the school and get people to think that we're this eclectic kind of system because we are classically a ninjutsu school, and that's it. Dwayne, do I got you back on yet? I'm back on. Sorry, I, it must be AT and T's problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, so um, anyway, I was just saying about you know about people not selling out who they are, and and we're getting close to wrapping up. So I think that maybe um, we could you know kind of summarize why we feel that it's important for school owners to find the right person that they could trust, like their teacher, and follow, and and not always second guess their intentions. And let me just add one little thing to it. With my students, and, and, they, and, and parents, this is the toughest part because parents know it all, right? Even though that they haven't trained in the martial arts, I, here's an example. I had one student who, uh, him and his daughter quit at Brownville. We're talking 15 years ago. And I said to him, you know, you're quitting before you get your black belt. And he would say to me, I have the black belt mindset. And I'd say, how can you have the black belt mindset? You're not a black belt. He wasn't a black belt before, so he couldn't even say I learned it in my other school. So he'd say, because I understand what the black belt mindset is. I said, but yet you're quitting, right? And he'd say, yeah, but I, I don't really need to go any further. I, I have the black belt mindset. And I said, how could you have the black belt mindset if you're quitting? Well, I don't need to go on. I'm going back and forth, right? And just in the conversation, you want to you know, scratch your head or smack yourself in the head. I'm going, you can't be something that you're not. It's not like you could say, I have the parental mindset and you're not a parent. Parents used to piss me off all the time and say, you know, you're going to see what it's like once you have your own daughter. And I used to teach hundreds of kids and I did it for many, many years. And I would get annoyed because in concept, I understood what kids needed to learn. But the minute my daughter was born, things changed for me. I understood what those parents were saying because you become more lenient, more tolerant, more, uh, you know, you, you don't really force the situation as much as you used to because you're saying, hey, I got to fight my battle tomorrow. I, wanna, I don't want to upset her today, uh, yada, yada, yada. So once you become the parent, you can then have a parental mindset. Of course, you have to learn and be the best parent possible, but you can't be something that you're not. So you need to train. It's like saying, I know what it takes to run a million-dollar corporation. No, you don't. You've had small little businesses that have failed your whole life. How could you become a million? If you do, you'd be a millionaire. You'd be running a million-dollar corporation, right? So that's right. my statement is understanding really where you're at and being big enough and strong enough as a business owner to say, show me. Open up your arms and say, teach me. I learn from you, Dwayne, all the time. Um, you know, I listen to you and I'm talking about, you know, we talk about books and we talk about things to do with staff. I tell you my issues with my team. You share with me. Um, and we learn from each other, but I learn from you a lot. And that's because i got to let go of the ego. I can't just be like, yeah, Dwayne, whatever you're saying is good, but, you know, I know what's right because I'm the smart guy and you're not. I need to learn from people that I can, and you're, you know, you have so much expertise that I could learn from. Why would I not do that? But that's only because I've practiced um, opening my mind to those things. Right. Yeah, and I would just, I guess, yeah, I was going to say to kind of close it out. Um, you know, the I think one of the biggest takeaways is this: is if you know, if you are looking for 
someone to help you with your school, which I think is a which I think is a great thing. It's a great idea. It's really hard to be out on the island alone. I know that with the internet, we're we're a lot more connected, and I know a lot of us are part of Facebook groups, and and you can ask questions and those type of things, and and that's all well and good, but it, it reminds me of, and you've kind of already drawn this out. It reminds me of the fact that we're all. Um, you know, with our own students, we have something so much more special than a conventional teacher that is with their students for nine months out of the year and they pass them along to somebody else. We get to grow with a relationship with our students and we actually get to know that student by the time that they are. I mean, we're going to know them before they're a black belt, but it's the same concept that if, you know, I am uh, going online to just get advice for a certain subject, that may answer the question in part and that's great. I think, you know, masterminding like that is not a bad thing. But we have to be careful with that because sometimes some of the information is not congruent with how we are or what we need to be doing in order to run our school. So that's kind of a, on a side note. But I just want, you know, everybody to understand that if you're looking for a coach, I think it's a great idea. But I also think that you need to vet the individual and they need to get to know you, too. So you need to start out on a trial basis um, and understanding that you're trying to get to understand them. I think following them on either social media or their blogs or, um, you know, podcasts like this is or what have you is really important to kind of get a, a grip of an understanding of who they are and what they believe and how they run their schools in order to, to you know, like a vetting process. But if you make that decision, if you decide to dive in, then you really need to do the concepts and the exercises and everything that that coach gives you in order to really get the best benefit from it. And obviously then if you're doing everything by their book and you're not seeing results, then the question obviously is, is this the right coach for me? Um, and then moving on to somebody else. And I know that that's – disheartening that is wasted time wasted money but i will tell you that um it will be a learning experience i know that doesn't sound nice but it will be, it'll be a learning experience for you um and sometimes the school of hard knocks with with regards to that i mean we've all picked wrong people to follow at some point in time in our lives and, and realize you know that bad friend that i had in fifth grade really was a bad friend and um yeah. even though my parents kept telling me that i shouldn't be hanging out with them i had to learn for myself and so um, all that being said, well, one thing though, can, I add one thing, can I add one thing to what you're saying? Certainly. Is that um, sometimes though, the mind plays tricks on you, and the feeling that you're feeling, the resistance that you're feeling, will tell you that things are not right, and then what happens is your mind will back out of it, and you'll leave the situation because it's uncomfortable thinking that this coach is not for me. So sometimes what I suggest is if you feel that you're not getting results, analyze whether you're really doing what you're supposed to, and then push past. Tell that coach and then push past it for at least another three or four months because it's like, it's like that story of the personal trainer where the husband bought his wife a personal trainer for Christmas. He didn't buy the actual personal trainer, but like personal training. <laughs> a week and she went to her first session and she was like enamored with the guy he she was like oh my god he's a greek god eight pack not six pack but eight pack abs beautiful hair beautiful voice it was just magical our first session she's falling in love with the guy the husband was like did i make a mistake i'm going to lose my wife to a personal trainer um by but he said i'm going to stick with it and by training number two her body started to get sore on thursday um you know he was a little annoying to her and then by friday and saturday the third session she was really sore and she kept coming home, and now she's saying, you know, he's really, his voice isn't, he's not really that good looking. His voice is kind of annoying. By like the fifth session, she hated him. And, and he kept saying, well, what do you want to do? You know, cancel? You know, because that's what's going to happen, because the more stress we have, the more har the harder it is, the more painful it is to go through this transformation, the easier it is for our brain to say, this is not right for me, I'm moving on. And very, quite frankly, that's what I have with these, these clients. They last six, seven months, they resist me until one day, boom, they have an epiphany, and they start to see results. So even when I'm coaching, I'm going, show me how many people you signed up. I had a guy with our website, I'm, I'm rambling a little longer than we were, we were just going to close, and um he, in two months, he's gotten 67 leads. 
Um, another guy, within five months, he's got 140 leads. And these are legitimate leads, phone numbers, email addresses, and comments. I have a six-year-old son. I want to join your school kind of leads. And I said to him, and, and then, then leads stopped coming in for a few weeks. And he got mad at me. And I said, well, you've gotten 100-plus leads. What are you doing with the leads? He says, oh, I don't know. I should really check up my staff on that. I said, oh, are you kidding? He's just in the mode of getting the leads and getting excited about it, but um, he's not sure of what's going on. I'm like, if you could, if you signed up 40 of those people, that could be worth 100 grand to your school or more, and then referrals from those people. So, you know, again, it's going through the pain of seeing what you're really not doing right, and that sometimes a coach can help you through that. But again, like students, they, you know, they get mad at you, like the personal trainer, because they're sore and they're not learning and they're frustrated and they're having a hard time, so what do they do? They quit. And parents, quite often, it makes me sick to my stomach, they allow this to happen. I had a kid I just saw, I was getting my hair cut, um, a little overweight kid, you know, well, not a little overweight, a lot of overweight, his father's overweight, and they quit my school, and I said, oh, my God, I haven't seen him in so long. And the guy's like, yeah, we're going down the road to XYZ Jiu-Jitsu school now. I'm going like, but he hated grappling when he was with me. He refused to do it. He never practiced, but now you're going to just a grappling school? Well, yeah, we feel we needed to learn how to grapple. I, I said, oh, great. I, like, literally just, again, scratched my head and walked out the haircutting place after I was done, going, like, they wouldn't listen to me. Now they're somewhere else doing what I had told them to do when they were with me. Makes no sense. But anyway, sorry to continue on, but uh, that's my point of the day. And, and great call, Dwayne. Yeah, I think it was. And, and I, I, I just want to close with this. If we don't know the story of the bamboo, then go look it up. But we all, all know, or at least we should as martial artists, know that bamboo grows a little differently. And right. it takes years for it to sprout up. And the fact that we have to have patience in watering and nurturing it before it actually develops into something that's usable, that same analogy is with a good coach how it works. Um, and I mean a coach that is going to make uh, your whole school and yourself function like it should as opposed to just specific aspects because like you said it's easy to bring in the leads uh it's hard to sign them up and follow up with them and and yeah. keep them and retain them so uh i hope everybody enjoyed this call make sure that you um you know like us on uh on facebook you know school owner talk um so uh you know uh what is it uh, facebook.com forward slash school owner talk and share this uh with any other school owners also, you can just subscribe to us on iTunes so that you can just have it sent right to you every single week as well. So, Allie, again, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll talk to everyone on our next call. And leave some comments. If you have any questions or anything, um, you know, feel free to do that. All right, thanks, Allie. Thanks, Ray. Keep up the great work. Okay.